This is America's WebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the show. I'm glad to have you with me. I hope you continue to listen and continue to refer your friends to the show. Remember, the show is usually archived within 24 to 48 hours after we do it. This is a live broadcast, but within 24 to 48 hours, you can go to the website, America's Web Radio, the Our Constitution uh, website, and you can listen to the show at any time. And you can take the link and forward it to your friends and encourage them to listen. As usual, we have a lot to talk about today, and uh, primarily I'm going to talk about Hillary Clinton and uh, some of the shenanigans that are go- that's going on in her campaign. But first, I want to you know, bring up something that I haven't really talked about in a while, but there's been some disturbing new developments, and that's in the, uh, the VA war on veterans. Now, for those of you who are new to the show or don't recall previous discussions, about three years ago, I started working on a situation that was brought to my attention where veterans were getting letters from the VA telling them that because of their physical or mental disabilities, they were going to be declared incompetent to handle their own financial affairs and a fiduciary was going to be appointed to represent them. Now, the fiduciary program has been around for a long time in the VA. It was designed primarily to assist elderly veterans who might be suffering from dementia and were forgetting to pay their bills on time and this sort of thing by appointing a family member to handle their financial affairs. But then it did, the VA decided to use it as a vehicle for disarming America's veterans. So what they do is they send a letter to the veteran and they tell the veteran, the burden of proof is on you to prove that you are competent. You have 60 days in which to do so, sometimes just 30 days. After the private contractor sending out the letter, it can be as little as five days. So they put the burden of proof on the veteran, which is, of course, a violation of the Fifth Amendment to the Constitution, which requires a due process of law before anybody could be deprived of their, their rights or their property, their right to property or their life. And then the veteran has to basically spend their own money trying to stop from being declared incompetent. But the real kicker comes later on in the letter where it says that once a veteran has been declared incompetent, they can no longer own, purchase, possess, or transport firearms or ammunition. If they do, they're guilty of a felony under the Brady Law. Now, again, no due process here. What they're doing, these veterans, is they declare them incompetent to handle their own financial affairs for reasons like minor PTSD, minor depression, or letting their spouses pay the family bills, or in one case, which, by the way, we just successfully won, the veteran was, and this was in writing, the veteran was told that he was being declared incompetent to handle his own financial affairs because he had his... VA check deposited in his bank and had his bank automatically pay all of his, his monthly bills out of that check. And they said, well, you're not handling your own financial affairs, so we're declared a fiduciary to represent you. And he lost his Second Amendment rights. Now, what they do then with the veteran, once they've declared him incompetent for one of these spurious reasons, 
Then they take their send their name to the FBI, and we had to file suit against the VA to get this information. But there is a memorandum out there, which has been published by some members of the media, that where the FBI and the VA agree that once they receive a name from the VA of a veteran who has been declared incompetent, they will automatically put that veteran on the NICS list. Now, the NICS list is a National Instant Criminal Background Checklist. That means if you're on that list as being prohibited from buying a firearm, you cannot legally purchase a firearm in this country. To be on the NICS list, you have to be a convicted felon, a known user of illegal drugs, or be adjudicated, and these are the exact words, adjudicated to be mentally defective to the point of being a danger to yourself or others. Well, a veteran who has had a fiduciary appointed by the VA to handle their financial affairs is not a convicted felon, is not a known drug abuser, and is not mentally defective, but that's the category they're using. Mentally defective to a point of being a danger to yourself or others. The veteran is, again, given no way to fight this. It's automatic. Because the VA, in this memorandum with the FBI, the FBI said that basically we will ignore the Fourth Amendment, we will ignore the Fifth Amendment, we will do what you tell us to do, send us the names, and we put them on the next list. The veteran can appeal from the Declaration of Incompetence. And we have just won, as I said, an appeal, and have won several more, but we're handling a lot more at this point. But once you get declared to be competent, in other words, you get the decision of the VA reversed, you aren't automatically taken off the next list. Even if the FBI is notified that you have not been, or the incompetency ruling has been reversed, they still won't take you off the next list. You have to sue to get them to do it at your expense. So we've been working on that aspect of cases. And we have, you know, for years, several years now, tried to raise enough money to file a class action suit on behalf of veterans because there are at least 200,000 veterans now on the list that cannot exercise their Second Amendment rights under the Constitution. And the list keeps growing because they keep going after veterans. But we estimate it would cost us at least $250,000 to have a full class action suit and we are a small uh, legal defense group at the United States Justice Foundation. We spend almost all of our money, not on overhead, but on cases, and we have been involved in, in literally scores of cases over the last year at the Court of Appeals level, at the Supreme Court level, cases involving First Amendment rights, Second Amendment rights, Fourth Fifth Amendment rights, a lot of free speech cases, a lot of freedom of religion cases, so we were spread pretty thin. And, you know, somebody sent me $20,000 today and said, use this for the veterans. We could at least begin a possible class action suit. But since that had to happen, what we're doing is we're representing the veterans for free. And we are handling each case on an individual basis, helping them prepare their appeals, helping them to raise the issues which are important in the appeal. And we have been successful in some of the cases. So successful, in fact, that there's been a new wrinkle. A veteran 
on California that I'm representing used the information we sent them to prepare. This wasn't the appeal. This was when they originally received the letter saying you have 60 days in which to respond. Well, the veteran responded very coherently, pointing out that while he does have some health problems, he and his wife jointly pay the family bills every month. Uh, he's very well aware of where the money's going. He's completely in control of his finances and pointed out that there's been no hearings on the incompetency and nobody has ever really said he's never been examined by a psychiatrist or psychologist. And so he put all that in the appeal, but he also put in the issues that we told him to specifically put in, in addition to those, and that was to raise the issue of due process and raise the issue of him being deprived of his Second Amendment rights without due process. Well, I got an email last night from this gentleman and his wife. Basically said that they were told that their information that they sent to the VA was being rejected because it did not meet their criteria for opposing the decision. Furthermore, the veteran had asked in their, their letter to the VA, said that their, this, had been, this had been prepared with the help of their counsel, Michael Connolly, who was executive director of the United States Justice Foundation, and would be representing them, and they should send copies of any decisions to, to me. Well, the letter that the veteran received basically ignored that. It was not sent, a copy was not sent to me. Basically, the veteran was told, <coughs> excuse me, you cannot be represented by anybody other than we tell you you can be represented by. And that's the California Veterans Administration. They will be representing you if anybody does. You cannot have private counsel. And specifically, apparently, this was aimed at us at the United States Justice Foundation. So we're going to be going after the VA directly because this is a very, very scary new wrinkle. If they are not going to be telling veterans that they cannot have outside counsel, particularly us, a constitutional law firm, then the veterans are being even further deprived of their Fifth Amendment rights and further deprived of this, the right to defend their Second Amendment rights. If you are a veteran and you have received one of these letters, or even if you have opposed the Declaration of Incompetency and your opposition has been ignored or denied, and you now have the one-year time to appeal, and you need help with the appeal, you need help with any of this, contact me personally at michael at usjf, that's for the United States Justice Foundation, michael at usjfmail, M-A-I-L, dot net. We will represent you at no charge, and we will do everything we can to help you. In the meantime... If you would like to donate to help us with these veteran fights, because this appears that they are doubling down on the veterans, and they're going to be more aggressive in going after veterans, 
more aggressive in refusing to hear their appeals, more aggressive in refusing to consider anything a veteran may have to say. If you want to help us, you can go to usjf.net, and you can donate online, and you can specifically say that your donation is to help the veterans, or you can send a donation to the California address that's on the website, or you can send it to my address, because I operate out of Texas as executive director, and the address here is Post Office Box 1266, Canton, C-A-N-T-O-N, Texas, 75103. You can send us a, a donation. Uh, we, we did get one donation here about six months ago, $10,000, to help out with all the programs that we were doing, all the cases we were working on, and that's the type of thing we need. So you can donate to us, but again, if you are a veteran, or if you know a veteran who is facing this, we're going to get very aggressive. The VA is picked to fight with the wrong group of people. We're going to go after the VA very hard to make sure we are allowed to represent the veterans. Let's take our first break now. You're listening to America's WebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. The United States Justice Foundation, since 1979, has been dedicated to instructing, informing, and educating the public on legal issues confronting America. That means you and me. When necessary, this nonprofit organization has had to litigate to present the constitutional view. Since 1980, USJF has submitted testimony to the U.S. Senate on all but one U.S. Supreme Court nominee. Learn more about USJF by visiting their website at www.usjf.net. Support this nonprofit as it defends our rights, our liberty, and our Constitution. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy. Only on America's web radio. Who is or what is USJF? It is a nonprofit legal organization founded to protect our rights through the U.S. Constitution. Active in educating the public, USJF has also contributed directly and indirectly to legal defense efforts in many celebrated cases involving fundamental conservative principles. Cases of note include the Mount Soledad Cross case, the Arizona Immigration Law case, the Obama eligibility cases, the NDAA illegal detention issue, and many more. Help this nonprofit as they help you. Visit www.usjf.net today. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. Please, as I said before the break, if you're a veteran or know a veteran who needs our help, contact me at michael at usjfmail.net and we'll give the information we need to help you 
and we'll do everything we can. And like I said, we're going to be getting more aggressive. And also, if you can, please donate to help us in our fight for the veterans. I mean, 200,000 veterans out there have been deprived of their constitutional rights. And the number is growing on a daily basis. Now, let's go on and talk about the my most recent article on my blog that I've written two in the last couple of weeks, basically, involving Hillary Clinton. And again, let me make it clear that I am not endorsing anybody for president. As the head of a 501c3 nonprofit corporation, I cannot endorse anybody. However, I can talk about the candidates, and I can talk about issues, particularly as they relate to the Constitution. Before she had her spell the other day on Sunday, and it was declared she had pneumonia. And by the way, she, she'd been diagnosed with pneumonia apparently on Friday. And this occurred on Sunday. And apparently several of her staff members also had pneumonia, which indicates that this is one of the most contagious forms of pneumonia. Now, all pneumonia can be contagious, but most of the time uh, it's not a big problem because people's immune systems are capable of fighting off most kinds of pneumonia. But some, for example, walking pneumonia, which it appears that Hillary may have, is highly contagious. Now, this raises questions about the fact that she made this speech on Friday to a group of lesbians, gays, etc., that were raising money for her. And she got very close to people. She got in their faces. She breathed on them. And then the most disturbing image to me was on Sunday, after she had her spell, after leaving the 9-11 commemorative ceremony early and virtually passing out before getting into the van, had to be lifted into the van and claiming it was heat exhaustion. A few hours later, she comes out of Chelsea's apartment and she's standing there waving at people and telling the reporters she's fine. And she sees a little girl waving at her, and she waves the little girl to her. She has her come to her and basically leans over and gives her a little hug and talks directly into her face. I hope that little girl doesn't have pneumonia because this could be very dangerous for children. Yet this is something that nobody in the media has picked up on. This is something horrible. Hillary Clinton campaign for presidency is more important to her than the life of a child or the lives of anybody around her. The Clintons operate in secret. They have been doing that for 35 years. Everything is hidden when it comes to the Clintons. Hillary and Bill are both pathological liars. In Hillary's case, it's so bad that I've seen her lie when everybody knows she's lying, and in situations where telling the truth would actually be better, more to her advantage. She still lies. She didn't know how to do anything else. But now we don't know about her health situation. 
I'm not going to speculate. I'm not going to engage in conspiracy theories. There are a lot of them out there. But just based on what I've seen, and I'm certainly no doctor, I've seen her stumble. I've seen her hesitate in speeches. It appears to me that there's serious health concerns here and that they are being hidden from the American public, just like they've hid her emails, destroyed her emails, hidden information about the Clinton Foundation. But the first thing I want to talk about is an article I wrote just a few days ago. It's on my blog at www.michaelconnelly.com. And you can also access to America's Web Radio webpage of my show. My show page, Our Constitution, also has a link to my blog and website. And the article is called, What Makes You Deportable? Because remember on Friday night, Hillary Clinton told this group that she was raising money from. And by the way, have you noticed how much more comfortable she is with the elites? She doesn't really like being around the unwashed masses. Those people who are the voters out there, those people that she needs to be elected, she's much more comfortable and has been hanging out for the most part she hadn't been doing rallies. She hadn't been doing a whole lot of public speeches, except to her Hollywood elite friends who give her thousands and thousands of dollars, and to the liberal elite in the Hamptons on the East Coast, for example. Those are the people that she hangs with. Those are the people that she's comfortable with. And she made it clear how she feels about the rest of us particularly those of us who may not be voting for her. When she made this comment about 50% of the people who support Donald Trump belong in what she calls her basket of deplorables. And she went on to say, and I quote, people who are racist, sexist, homophobic, xenophobic, Islamophobic, you name it. So... What makes you deplorable? What do you have to do to fall into any one of these categories adopted by Hillary Clinton? Well, number one, if you did not vote for Barack Obama for president, or you ever opposed any of his policies, you are obviously a racist. I mean, this is the, the mantra that we've had by the mainstream media ever since the man was running for president in 2008, and particularly since he was elected. If you opposed Obamacare, you were racist. If you opposed the cuts in the military, you're racist. If you opposed gay marriage, you're racist. Why? Because Obama was for it. That's all you had to do was oppose anything Obama did. And you're racist. If you support the concept that all lives matter, even those of police officers. You oppose that concept as opposed to the only Black Lives Matter, then you must be a racist also. This is the way Hillary Clinton looks at you. If you don't believe that Hillary Clinton is qualified 
to be president of the United States, or you have ever opposed the socialist agenda of Hillary, Nancy Pelosi, Elizabeth Warren at all, then you're clearly sexist. So that brings you into the second category. If you believe in traditional marriage, is that being between a man and a woman, and or you defend the rights of people who have deeply held religious beliefs regarding their opposition to gay marriage, you believe in their rights to express their beliefs, then you have to be homophobic. Again, that's the way we're looked at by the liberal media, and particularly by Hillary Clinton. This is how you get into one of her, her categories. Now, being xenophobic, I always have trouble pronouncing that word, that means that you are someone who has an unreasonable fear or hatred of people from other countries. In the world of progressive doublespeak, that also means that if you believe people immigrating to the United States should do so legally, that they should be deported if they violate our laws, then you fall into the category of being xenophobic fascist. This is particularly true if you believe we should secure our borders against drug dealers, terrorists, and other criminals and you're opposed to sanctuary cities. Then that puts you in that category. Of course, you'll definitely be labeled Islamophobic if you do not believe that Islam is absolutely a religion of peace. And there are peaceful practitioners of that, that religion. There are peaceful Muslims. I have had Muslim friends over the years. But some of the basic tenets of the Koran, of the Islamic Bible, essentially, indicate that it is not a religion of peace, that it is, in fact, not really a religion at all. It is more a social, economic, and political movement designed to impose its beliefs on the rest of the world. And if you don't believe in radical Islam, then you can be executed. Now, if you also are someone who believes that Muslims are responsible for the vast majority of acts of terrorism throughout the world, then you are obviously Islamophobic. If you believe that radical terrorism, radical Islamic terrorism, does exist, that so-called refugees from countries like Syria should not be allowed in our country unless they are properly vetted to make sure they're not terrorists and you're Islamophobic. But take heart. These are the people that are on her list of deplorables. But there are exceptions. How do you avoid being on this list? Well, all you have to do is donate millions or even thousands of dollars to the Clinton Foundation. In that case, it won't matter if you're a career criminal or even a vicious, vicious dictator of a country that executes homosexuals and oppresses women and religious minorities like Christians or Jews. That doesn't matter. You will still be one, one of the good guys for the Clintons because you've given money 
to the foundation. The same is true if you have paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to Hillary Bill to make these speeches, or if you are a member of the Hollywood elite or the rich and famous on the East Coast who donate lavishly to the Hillary Clinton campaign. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter if you have a criminal history. It doesn't matter if you are, in fact, a racist. As long as you're giving them money, you're fine. Let's take our second break. Who is or what is USJF? It is a nonprofit legal organization founded to protect our rights through the U.S. Constitution. Active in educating the public, USJF has also contributed directly and indirectly to legal defense efforts in many celebrated cases involving fundamental conservative principles. Cases of note include the Mount Soledad Cross case, the Arizona Immigration Law case, the Obama eligibility cases, the NDAA illegal detention issue, and many more. Help this nonprofit as they help you. Visit www.usjf.net today. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? If you do, join us on the Doctor's Lounge and hear the doctor's conversations amongst themselves. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF, a nonprofit organization, is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government, as well as those involved in legal cases, have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. It's been interesting to watch the reaction on social media to the deplorable comments. I mean, people have come forward and said, I'm deplorable and proud of it. Uh, Somebody emailed me and suggested... Uh, we produce a bumper sticker saying proud to be deplorable and people on Twitter, for example, have changed their hashtag names to deplorable Susan or deplorable Jack or deplorable John. And, uh, so, you know, this is backfired on Hillary just as much of what she says backfires on her. But of course it's being covered by the liberal media. Uh, They are in the tank for Hillary Clinton and continue to be in the tank for her to the point where we don't have free press in this country. Most of the free press has been driven out of business. Fox News is there, still there, but some of that is questionable. I mean, Shepard Smith is, as I referred to before, is considered the Billy Gideon of Fox News because he will come out with some outlandish comments in defense of liberalism, in defense of Hillary Clinton and the left. But the fact of the matter is, is that 
CNN, MSNBC, NBC, CBS have become propaganda organs for not just Hillary Clinton, but for the Democratic Party, for the anti-progressive movement. They stifle free speech. They stifle freedom of the press. They support restrictions on freedom of religion. They certainly support restrictions on our Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. And they're openly doing so. Now, after Hillary got sick on Sunday, CBS interviewed Bill Clinton. And at one point, he let it slip that she has frequent fainting spells and has for years. That's bad news for her campaign. So CBS dutifully executed or deleted that from their broadcast. They deleted that segment where he said that. They broadcast the entire rest of the interview, but they deleted that. Another prime example, and this is beautiful, Katie Couric and NBC are being sued for a documentary they did on the Second Amendment where she is shown interviewing some proponents of the Second Amendment and asking them how they can reasonably oppose background checks for people purchasing firearms. And they show the people she's interviewing looking confused, looking away, refusing to respond, and then after 35 or 40 seconds of this, they come, they come back and they say, you know, this is clear that they can't answer that. In fact, at the actual interview, they responded immediately and clearly and concisely as to how they felt about background checks and why they were not necessary and why they were unconstitutional. Almost six minutes of that interview was cut out and edited to make it look like these people were idiots. And it was admitted that it was edited. But they refused to release the entire conversation. So this was a situation where blatant lies were told by the media. And now they're getting sued. I certainly hope these people win because they have every right. But talking about Hillary, there's another article that I wrote back around September 6th. I put on my blog again. My blog is at michaelconnelly.jigsy.com. And you can go there, and you can look at my blog, and look at my articles, and read about my books that are available for sale, including my booklet on the Constitution, and also my latest patriotic novel called The Rag, which is getting rave reviews, by the way. Or you can also access the website through the link that's provided on the America's Web Radio webpage for our Constitution. But this other article was called The Hillary Timeline. And I tried to make it as short and to the point as I could. And basically I put in the timeline for Hillary Clinton 
how she'd been let off the hook for obvious crimes involving her illegal use of emails, involving lying to Congress and the American people. Start off with June 9th, 2016. Barack Obama endorses Hillary Clinton for president, despite the fact that she was at the time the subject of a criminal investigation by the Department of Justice, which, of course, was under control of Obama and Attorney General Loretta Lynch. Then on June 27, 2016, the Democrats, the House of Representatives, issue a minority report on the Benghazi investigation that exonerates Hillary Clinton and Obama for lying to the American people about the fact that Benghazi was a terrorist attack. Instead, the report attacks Donald Trump, mentioning him 27 times, much more than it mentioned Clinton. Yet at the time Benghazi occurred, Trump was not running for political office and had no connection to Benghazi. He was a private citizen. This particular report was extensively covered by the mainstream media. Then the next day, June 28th, the report of the House of Representatives Majority Report on Benghazi was released. It established conclusively that Clinton and the Obama administration lied to the American people about the fact that this was a terrorist attack. It further showed that the American military units in the area that could have saved at least some of the American lives who were lost, that were lost that night, were never deployed. That report was essentially ignored by the mainstream media, again, to protect Clinton and Obama. Then on June 29th, Obama announces he will join Hillary Clinton on the campaign trail in North Carolina. And then on June 30th, Bill Clinton supposedly has a chance encounter with Attorney General Loretta Lynch at an airport in Arizona. A chance encounter. According to them, they spent almost 40 minutes in private on board the AG's plane, and they claim they discussed grandchildren and golf but not the fact that Bill Clinton's wife was under criminal investigation by the Department of Justice at that time. And by the way, Loretta Lynch has no grandchildren and doesn't play golf. Just a little aside there. Then on July 3rd, New York Times reports that Hillary Clinton is considering continuing to have Loretta Lynch as AG if she's elected president. This is just a few days after the meeting between Bill and Loretta Lynch, a meeting that was questionable at best. A day after that announcement's made, or that the New York Times reports that, the FBI, or CNN reports, that the FBI will not recommend prosecution of Hillary. This information can only result been a result of a leak from the Department of Justice, the FBI, or the White House. July 5th, FBI Director James Comey states that Hillary specifically lied, repeatedly lied about the use of her private email server, 
but the FBI will not recommend prosecution. Same day, Obama appears with Hillary in a campaign event in North Carolina. July 6th, Attorney General Loretta Lynch says she will not charge Hillary Clinton for any crimes related to the misuse of a private email server during her tenure as Secretary of State. And when I charged her for deleting information, which we still don't have, by the way. August 9th. Additional formerly undisclosed Hillary Clinton emails are released showing direct connection between the donors to the Clinton Foundation and special access to the Secretary of State during Hillary's term. September 2nd, the FBI releases its notes on the July interview with Hillary that shows that on numerous occasions she claimed not to remember critical information about security training or what constituted classified material. It becomes more and more apparent that the Clintons and everybody involved with her campaign were totally incapable of telling the truth. Then on September 5th, Hillary admits to reporters that she did know what the letter C meant, that she did know it meant classified or confidential, when on an email. That's not what she told the FBI. She told the FBI that she thought it was just an alphabetical listing of talking points or email points or whatever. But she lied to the FBI. She admits she lied to the FBI. And then, September 6th, international banking giant Goldman Sachs that paid Hillary over $650,000 for speeches after she left the Secretary of State's office and has refused to release the contents of those speeches. But on September 6th, that major banking corporation banned its highest paid employees from donating to the Trump campaign. That's incredible. What does that tell me? Well, it tells me that they're already setting up a pay-for-play scheme for Hillary when she's elected in the White House. Goldman Sachs bans people from donating to the Trump campaign. They will certainly have special access to Hillary Clinton when she's in the White House, particularly since they paid her $650,000 for three speeches, by the way. I give speeches all the time and available to give more speeches. I don't charge anything, much less $275,000 per speech. Let's take our final break now. The United States Justice Foundation, since 1979, has been dedicated to instructing, informing, and educating the public on legal issues confronting America. That means you and me. When necessary, this nonprofit organization has had to litigate to present the constitutional view. Since 1980, USJF has submitted testimony to the U.S. Senate on all but one U.S. Supreme Court nominee. 
Learn more about USJF by visiting their website at www.usjf.net. Support this nonprofit as it defends our rights, our liberty, and our Constitution. Obamacare is failing. We all know that, but you need to know why and what you can do to get us back on the right track. Visit us at ObamacareWatch.org. This is Grace Marie Turner of the Galen Institute. Join us at ObamacareWatch.org. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. Who is or what is USJF? It is a nonprofit legal organization founded to protect our rights through the U.S. Constitution. Active in educating the public, USJF has also contributed directly and indirectly to legal defense efforts in many celebrated cases involving fundamental conservative principles. Cases of note include the Mount Soledad Cross case, the Arizona Immigration Law case, the Obama eligibility cases, the NDAA illegal detention issue, and many more. Help this nonprofit as they help you. Visit www.usjf.net today. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Just to make myself clear, I consider Hillary Clinton to be a career criminal. And I consider her and Bill Clinton and Barack Obama and Loretta Lynch, Nancy Pelosi, Harry Reid, to be part of the, and the entire Democratic Democrat Party for that matter, to be part of the biggest criminal conspiracy in this country. Now, that's not all Democrats. Because there are a lot of people out there whose families have voted Democrat for years, and they will continue to vote Democrat. And there's a lot of people out there who believe in and espouse some of the ideals of the Democrat Party. They're doing what they honestly believe is right. But the leadership is willing to do anything to maintain control of this country and to destroy our constitutional republic. That's what they want. They've made it clear. They have nothing but disdain for the Constitution of the United States. And that's what this show's all about. That's why we talk about constitutional issues. I am a constitutional lawyer. I write about the Constitution. I talk about the Constitution. I make speeches about the Constitution. And by the way, if you want me to come speak to your group, particularly if you're in Texas or Louisiana, Oklahoma, one of the adjacent states to Texas, Contact me again at michael at usjfmail.net. It's usjfmail.net, not .com, .net. Or you can contact me through my website. The link to, links get on the America's Web Radio page. Contact me and let me know, and we will work something out so that I can come make a speech to your group. I've been doing a lot of that, and particularly making speeches on things like the situation with the veterans that we talked about at the beginning of the show. Most people still don't know about that. There has been some press coverage, but except for what I've been putting out, talking about on radio shows, most people do not know 
what's happening here. When I tell them at a speech, they're absolutely, totally shocked. They're floored by the very idea that American veterans are being stripped of their constitutional rights by the very government that they fought for. I'm a veteran. I have two sons currently serving in the military. I took the oath of office to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. That is not an oath that expires. There are 23 million veterans out there that took that oath. And the vast majority still believe in that oath. But now we're being punished for defending the Constitution by having our very constitutional rights taken away from us. This is not a game. This is not something I'm making up. I can supply you a copy of the letter that veterans are receiving from the VA. The letter telling them they're going to be declared incompetent. We are headed down a very dangerous path in this country right now. And I hope it's reversible. Because we are losing our Constitution. We are losing our Constitutional Republic. And the leaders of the Democrat Party want to accelerate that process. They want to turn us into a one-party state, similar to Nazi Germany, similar to the Soviet Union, similar to what Cuba is still, what China is still. They're champions of that type of thing, because that shuts you and I up. And we are, after all, the unwashed masses. We are the deplorables, according to Hillary Clinton. We don't believe in the things she believes in, so therefore we have to be silenced. And she and mainstream media of the other leaders of the Democrat Party want to make sure we're silenced. Now, I don't want to silence all Democrats. I don't even want to silence Hillary Clinton. Let her talk. The more she talks, the worse it is for her. I don't call the rank-and-file voters in the Democrat Party deplorable. I don't hate any of them. But I remember the good old days, back when I was in college, back in the 1960s, early 70s. And I was the chairman of the Republican, Young Republicans at the LSU campus. And they had a big free speech alley every Wednesday where in an area between the Union Student Union and the Union Theater, uh, there were steps, and you could stand there. They put a soapbox, and you could stand there and talk about whatever you wanted to talk about. And I would go out there on a regular basis, and I would talk, particularly when there was an election coming up. And uh, I would talk about Republican Party principles. I'd talk about conservative principles. We were also the head of Young Americans for Freedom at that time. And I would inevitably get into it with 
a guy named David, who was the president of the Young Democrats. And we would go after each other's ideas. We would call each other's ideas ridiculous and flawed, and we'd go after each other. In fact, after some really harsh exchanges at Free Speech Alley, we would go into the union afterwards and have a beer, or two beers, or three beers. I'd buy a round, he'd buy a round, etc., etc. We were, in fact, good friends. And stayed good friends for a long time. As a matter of fact, after I'd lost touch with him for a while, I suddenly heard from him that he had seen the error of his ways and had changed his voter registration to Republican. The point being that Hillary Clinton calling Trump voters deplorable simply because they don't agree with her or the Democrat positions. That's not just deplorable, that's despicable. But that's the philosophy that many Democrats have now. It's a philosophy of hate. It's either you, do, you agree with what I want you to do, you shut up and be quiet and obey me, or you will be punished. See, that's where, how Hillary looks at us. And I'm not talking about just Trump voters. I'm not saying who I'm going to vote for. But I'm talking about the great unwashed masses out there, the people who don't live in the Hamptons, who don't have million-dollar homes, who aren't Hollywood elite, the rest of us, the gun owners, the people that believe in their religion, that according to the way Obama put it back in his campaign, was we cling to our Bibles and our guns. Yes, I do. Hillary Clinton's not going to take either one away from me. Neither is Barack Obama. Neither is any Democrat elected. But Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama do not consider us as free people. We are not considered citizens of the United States. We are considered to be their subjects. I'm going to put in a plug here for my new book, The Rag. People should read that before the election because it talks about some of the things I've talked about here today. It explores what would happen if Americans lose their freedom and how they would react. And by the way, yesterday something I saw something right over our place here in the middle of nowhere in East Texas, which really kind of shook me up. We were taking a walk, and I heard major noise. And out here we don't hear noise. You know, it's very quiet usually. And all of a sudden, six Apache helicopters, attack helicopters, came flying low over us and over our property, heading east. 
Now, I don't know of any military bases, but there are no military bases in this area. Simple as that. They could be reserved. They could be National Guard. But we see those, but we occasionally see a Blackhawk. But this was six Apache attack helicopters flying in formation, moving fast, like they were going somewhere in a big hurry. He gave me a chill because, ladies and gentlemen, there is the part of my book that describes virtually the same thing. I'm going to leave it at that. If you want to see the scene, read about the scene that I saw yesterday, put it in context with what America is, has become, but hopefully will become again. Purchase a copy of the rag. It's right now on sale on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. It will be an e-book before long, and you can order it through my website, michaelconnelly.jigzy.com. Thanks for listening in today, and I look forward to talking to you again next week. God bless. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.